The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. I wonder how someone gets to that point of, uh, of, of being so connected to God, of understanding eternity in such a degree that you lose your son two years prior, two years later you lose four daughters to the ocean, and when you go over the place where your daughter's lives were taken, you sing, it is well with my soul. The title of this morning's message is All In because it's, it's just the only two words that I could think of. One of our micro churches right now has been going through a study um, called Radical. It's a study that talks about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a radical follower of Jesus. It's been quite an incredible, um, quite an incredible opportunity to do that. It's been an incredible opportunity for us to to press in and, and see. And I've read the book before. I've thought about this. I've, I've wrestled with what it means to be a radical follower of Jesus. Because in the Bible, we see a lot of different examples. We see fishermen who left their nets and followed Jesus immediately. We see Nicodemus who came along in a process. We see Peter who followed, then failed, and then came back around. We see Paul who suffered many beatings and kept on going. We see a lot of this. But what's interesting to me is, it's not what happened back then, but where are you today? What does it mean for you to be a disciple of Jesus today? Part of the, the difficulty for me as a pastor in, in the suburban America is that it's so easy for us to not be all in. It's easy for us to be partially in. It's easy for us to be, it's easy for us to just say, I go to church, I do a prayer group, that must be enough. But what does the Bible actually have to say about this? What does the Bible say that a disciple is? The, after all, the call is to go make disciples. The call that God gives all of us is to go, therefore, and make disciples because all authority has been given to Jesus. So we are to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. It's, it's interesting to me that we've reduced Christianity to just attendance. I don't know that there are many people who would experience massive difficulties in life and have the soul to write the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I'm not presuming, I'm not presuming on everyone's spirituality. I'm just saying that in my experience and in my heart, I'm wondering what type of disciples the church is making today. And it doesn't just mean what we're doing externally because discipleship starts with being gripped by the grace of God. As a matter of fact, there are three components I wanted to talk about in regards to what it means to be a disciple today. The first one is that disciples are worshipers of God, true worshipers of God. There's a story of Jesus with the woman at the well, and she's trying to finagle her way around because Jesus had met her there, a woman who was where she shouldn't have been, and that told Jesus something about her that she had issues going on in her life that made her have to go to the well at a different time of day. And she tried to finagle her religious curve on it when, when asked about worship. And Jesus told her, the hour is coming, it is now here, when true worshipers, if you want to be a disciple, it begins with true worship. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people. 
to worship him. The Father, God the Father in heaven, is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? That's the question I have. What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? What's interesting to me is that this whole concept of worship we've reduced down to music. But worship isn't just music. Worship is being what we were created to be. Worship is all of our life. Worship is when we are living as the images of God that we were created for. It's not just worship when we sing songs, although that's amazing. It's not just worship when we pray, although that's amazing. It's worship when we live our lives the way that God had designed and intended us to live them. It's worship when we are changing our kids' diapers. It's worship when we are hugging our children when they fall down and scrape their knee. It's worship when we're working through and sacrificing and laying down our lives for our spouses like God has called us to do. It's worship when we deny ourselves and take up our cross at work, when we know we could do this one little thing, this one white lie, this one bending of the truth and get ahead, but instead we say, that's not what God's called me to do. I don't need to get ahead. I have all that I need in Jesus. Worship is being who we are created and called to be. Worship is centering our adoration, our attention, and all of our glory-giving efforts, not on us, but on someone else who is God the Father in heaven. Worship is getting our eyes off of ourselves, off of our problems, and putting them on someone bigger who can handle them, putting, on, putting our problems, our concerns, our cares, our anxieties on someone who can actually do something about them. Worship is ultimately the, the, the self-sacrifice that we need in order to find the truest version of who we were created to be. Worshiping in spirit and in truth means that it's about Him, and we could put away these things. And I know this is a hard message, but I, I just want to walk through this idea. Because if we can't get worship right, if we don't understand that worship is an all-of-life experience, we worship when we eat food, we worship when we go on a date, we worship when we change diapers, we worship when we mow the lawn, we worship when we go to work, we worship when we're exasperated from doing e-learning. We worship all the time. We get the eyes off of ourselves. All of a sudden, when you begin to do that, here's what happens. Things change. Perspectives change. Problems that you thought were big and, and too large to overcome in your life, you realize they're not that large at all compared to the God that I'm worshiping. It's interesting, my kids, they can be so afraid at times uh, over, the, over their lifespan, not, not so much now, but at different times in your life, if you've had young children, you know that one of the common things with kids is that they get scared of the dark, but they're not scared of the dark when daddy's there. They come to daddy when they're scared in the dark. They say, daddy, I'm scared. I'm scared. There's, there's a monster in my closet. There's a monster under my bed. I don't know if you guys have gotten those things. But what's interesting is when dad is there, when mom is there, they're not scared any longer. And I think it's this way with much of life. When we finally stop looking at our fears, when we finally stop looking at the things that we think will give us worth, that we think will affect our lives, and we put our eyes on someone bigger and stronger, and we do that more continually, that's what worship is refocusing our gaze away from these small things and turning them to the one thing that matters above all else. This is worship. Whether you're singing, praying, laying, whatever it is, I'm asking you as a disciple of Jesus to ask yourself, what does my life of worship look like now? And where can I change? What perspective shift needs to happen? The next, next aspect of being a disciple is that we would be servants. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. This is always baffling to me because the creator of feet washed his disciples' feet. 
Jesus is the creator of all. He is the, the part of the Trinity that creation came through. And then he came into human form and he washed his disciples' feet. When we were doing our time with uh, Mr. Derek earlier, I was noticing that he was not wearing socks. If he asked me to wash his feet, after walking around wearing shoes with no socks for a solid, let's see, it's, it's April. So if you walk in Florida for five minutes without socks, I'm not touching your feet. And I love that guy. I mean, I would do it because the Bible says to do it. But if that verse wasn't in there, I'd be like, that's a, that's a no-go place for me, fam. And Jesus lived in a time where there was no showers. There's slippers and dirt roads, no concrete. And washing feet was what the lowest person of the household would do. Jesus came, he said, not to be served, but to serve. A disciple of Jesus, as you fix your eyes on God and his majesty and your whole life reorients to who he is and what he has done for you, perspectives change so that you can serve, so that you can go all the way down to washing feet. There is no task too low when you realize how much this being, when you realize how much God loves you, well, what else do you need in life? So you can serve. You can lay down your life, as Derek was talking about earlier. You can give up things. You can die to yourself because you realize the truth that is in store and already present in your lives. That the most valuable, precious, beautiful being in the universe gave his life for you and for me. That that, that being came into human form and served us. So how could we then not serve others? A true disciple will always serve and not only just serve in general, but serve within the family of God. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. One of my favorite parts of my job is being able to serve and love people. And not just the things on Sundays. I'm talking about the little things. I like doing the things that nobody ever finds out about. To love people right where they are, to meet people in their pain, to offer to pray to them, to bring them something, to be there, to lean on, to cry on, whatever it is. Those are the moments that are fun for me. And many of you uh, are, are great at this. You do amazing things. I've been blown away at watching the Chapel family work during this pandemic. To see people sharing supplies, to have people reaching out in encouragement, to have people going out of their comfort zone, out of things that they think that they couldn't do in their own strength in order to love other people in the Chapel family. Where are you serving now? You're like, well, I can't serve now. How can I serve? We have this pandemic thing. We have this stuff going on. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're handy and you're not allowed to be around people. Here's a deal I'll make with you. I've got about a bajillion projects here at the chapel. And if you want to come here when no one's here, I'll give you a key. You can come on in. If you didn't get the email I sent out yesterday, I sent out pictures of a lot of the renovation that's been happening at the chapel. We've been sort of hitting this on a twofer level. As the pandemic's going and we're closed down for services, the whole back of the chapel has been getting torn up from the floors to the ceiling. Things have changed and we have a lot to do. We have cleaning to do. We have re replacing things. We have organizing. We have hanging things. And maybe that's your act of service. Maybe your act of service is right now during this season. You're writing prayer notes of encouragement to people. Maybe your act of service is just simply praying for people and them not even knowing you're praying. Maybe your act of service is saying, God, when we, when we get to be back with the family of, again, who am I going to serve in the family of God? Maybe you haven't been all in as a disciple of Jesus. Maybe you've just been a follower. Like Derek said, he was a follower for 10 years and then he became a disciple. Maybe for you it's time to say, what can I do to position myself in such a way under the, the glory of God that I can finally begin to live in the rhythms and the calling and the purpose that he has for me? I'm hoping that as you figure out where you can serve, you don't get discouraged because you will try to serve at places and be terrible at it. 
I've tried to jump in a lot of ministries, and I was not called to those ministries. But they needed someone to do it, so I just jumped in and did it. Now, maybe for you it'll be a trial and error process. But if you're not at least trying to serve, if you're not getting a sample of serving, then, then I'm not sure that you have this connection to Jesus that he has intended us to have, to live and be like he was. As a matter of fact, part of being a servant, being like Jesus, is to be a Christian. A Christian means a little Christ. We are to be little pictures of Christ so that when people look at us, they see a small version of what God could be like. Now, I don't mean that we're called to be perfect. I used to wear one of those what would Jesus do bracelets. What he would do is die for the sins of the world. I can't do that. But what I can do is by the grace of God, try to serve like he served. What I can do by the grace of God is try to love people like he loved. And I don't mean people like me. I mean just the people that Jesus tried to love. If you notice, he never got along with religious people. He always pursued those who were broken. He always pursued those who recognized they had a deep need. And then he served them. He laid down his life for them ultimately. The last component I want to talk about today, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, after you worship, you reorient your life around living for God and not yourself. And then you serve like Jesus served you. The last part is to be a witness. And there are many other parts of being a disciple, but I want to talk about being a witness today. Because Jesus says that he will be with you always to the end of the age. And here's a question I have for you. If you want Jesus to be with you always, you have to look one verse higher. It says he will be with those always who are going on the mission of making disciples, making learners. That's all a disciple means, a learner of Jesus. Jesus is with those who are living for him, walking down the road he has paved for them. It doesn't mean he leaves us and forsakes us when we wander off the road. As a matter of fact, there are other stories in the Bible that says when one wanders away from the 99, Jesus leaves the 99 to get the one. That's how much he loves you and me. But to be a disciple means to be a witness. It means to share the story of what Jesus has done. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, it's the very opposite. I know a lot of people say, well, I can't be a Christian because Christians are hypocrites. When people tell that to me, I just say, yes, we are. We can't possibly, we cannot possibly give you an accurate representation of what Jesus looks like. Just me sitting here. I can't do it. I've got too much anger. I've got too little patience. I've got too much self-centeredness that still clings on to me like tar on my heart. But by the grace of God, he's peeling layers away year by year. And the story that we have is this. Isn't it incredible that God could love a wretch like me? We sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And the reason I bring that up so often is because I think we forget. I think that as Christians, we forget that we are wretches saved by grace. Grace means free. It's the free favor of God. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, are you sharing the story of how much Jesus died for a wretched person like you and like me? I have no need to keep up a facade. I have no need to wear a mask. I thought it was funny that Derek brought the mask today. We have no need as Christians to wear masks. We don't need to pretend to be better than we are. We can be exactly who we are and know that God loved us and chose us in the moment of our deepest darkness. And then we witness to that story. That's what it means to be a witness. Not to say, look how great I am, but look how great God is that he could die, love, and save a wretched sinner like Ryan. So to be a disciple is simple. You might find it a big ask. How can I be all in? Can I keep this part of my life? Can I keep that part of my life? I just want you to, to start with the first one we talked about, worship. 
Whatever it is that gets you to look and gaze toward God. And right now, a lot of people are thinking about God because of where we are, because of what's going on. Whether you have loved ones with COVID or you don't, you, you've been affected by this thing and it's only the beginning. And I know that there are people thinking about God because I look at the statistics on Bible sales and Bible app usage and all of these things they are going up right now. What is it for you that stirs your heart to say, there's got to be something more and I want to be a part of it? That's worship. What is it for you that makes your heart want to sing for joy and find more love and satisfaction in God than anything else? That's worship. And the more you press into that, the more you'll see service come out of your life. The more you'll want to be a witness to people. So just go back down the ladder. If you're saying, well, I can't share the story of what Jesus has done for me, then you need to go back up. What am I not seeing about God? What have I not realized about God that's true that I've forgotten? What have I maybe, what have I learned about God in the past, but I've forgotten its power lately? Because I see new believers, they're so fired up. I love seeing when someone gets grabbed by Jesus' love for the first time. They can't stop telling people about God's love for them. But then slowly they get into church and we beat the joy out of them. I pray that that wouldn't be the case with you. It was with me. I, I went from being the, the prodigal, broken sinner, and then I became this self-righteous, terrible human. I thought I was the gift to ministry. And God brought me through a reckoning, brought me through grace and discipline, tore down from me things that gave me my identity and worth. And he slowly built me back up. But my worth is not in, in him, in, in, in me. It's in him. My worth is not in how much I can do, it's in how much Jesus has done. And that's the difference. Because I was a pastor before, and I was trying to get all of my approval from others. I don't need the approval of anyone. It doesn't matter how many views, it doesn't matter how many people, it doesn't matter how many dimes are in the offering basket. What matters to me is that I get to go home and the creator of the universe says, my son. And I say, my father. And that can be true for you. It's faith alone. And you to start this discipleship journey. Derek had three guys that poured into him. I had a handful of guys that were my peers and we grew together and then we had mentors that poured into us. If you want to be a disciple, it is going to be a team effort. There is no such thing as a lone ranger in Christianity. Jesus himself, the Father, Son, and the Spirit are three in one and we are created in their image. So how could we possibly do this alone? We need someone else. If you need someone, if you don't have someone, start reaching out. Say, hey, where, where do I start? And if you don't know, if you have zero idea where to start, grab a friend and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the stories about Jesus. We call them the Gospels. And if you're doing this with your kids, just read through it with your kids and say, this is what Jesus was like. Let's ask Jesus to make us like him, to serve, to love, to sacrifice, to lay down our lives for others. That's the beginning of discipleship. The letting of go of the things of this world, letting them, as the song says, grow strangely dim so that we can hold more fiercely and tightly onto him. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. I know this is a big topic, but this is what it means to be a disciple. We can't have people come back here and just be half in, to be partial in. It doesn't mean that you go off and become a missionary overseas. It doesn't mean that you go running to Malaysia or the Philippines or India. But if God tells you to, it means that you would in the drop of a second. If God tells you to, it means that you, you might sell your house in a quaint neighborhood that you love with neighbors that you love and move to a neighborhood that God tells you to because he told you to. And that's all that matters. This is what discipleship leads to. And I pray, I pray that you would walk on this journey because on this journey, there is greater joy on the other side 
that, you, that you've never experienced. There's joy through the struggle. There's joy on the journey. And it looks scary from the safety of some of our suburban homes. But the joy of being all in on Jesus is that you have hands and a foundation under you that cannot be shaken. You have an arm around you that cannot be removed from you. For nothing, nothing, nothing can take the love of God from you. It is secured once and for all in Jesus. And when you realize that, worship changes, serving changes, witnessing, telling the story of Jesus changes. I'd like to pray for us before we go. And if you're here asking, how can I give my life to Christ? I don't want to be partially and I want to be all in. I want to be a disciple. There's, there's so much more than just worshiping and serving and being a witness, but there's definitely not less than that. So I want to pray for you today. And I want you to look deeply into your own life this week and ask, where does, where does God need to enter in and say, God, come and take over. Come and take my life from me and make it yours. I want you to do this, whether you're in your car, at home. There, we all have areas where God is still working, and I have areas where God's still working, where God needs to come into my life in different areas and shine the good news of the gospel. So that's what I'm going to pray for for you and for me this morning. Father, what does it mean to be all in for you? Lord, I know that I know that for me I've so often measured it by outside things that people can see, but that's not where this is. You see the heart. Lord, there will be people all in who don't go overseas, who don't lead Bible studies, who don't lead prayer. Lord, there will be people all in who put envelopes in the backs of chairs. There will be people all in who come and make coffee week after week to serve the family of God. There will be people all in who mow the grass. There will be people all in who can't do anything because you're carrying them through a process of healing. There will be people all in who are still scared. Lord, I pray for all of us who are here today. I pray for myself and the the crew here, those at home, that you would show us not what, what it looks like to be a disciple a hundred yards down the road, but what does it look like to be a disciple with our next step? How do we walk toward you to acknowledge you in worship with the next step? Who do we walk towards to serve with our next step? Who needs to hear the story of how much you've saved a wretch like me with my next step? Thank God we've tried to confuse Christianity too much at times. You want us to worship you with all of our lives. You want us to serve others as you you served us. And you want us to tell the story of what Jesus has done. It sounds so simple, Lord, and it's so easy to forget. Because it's fun to learn the nuances. But God, keep the main thing the main thing in our hearts. There are people who don't know you. There are people who have not been gripped by your love. God, there are people, I'm sure, listening who who have been followers but not disciples. God, there are people listening, I'm sure, who have been looking at people on Sundays who have been learning about you but have not yet given their life and said, take it, Lord, it's yours. I pray that they would do that today. That they would, by faith, press into what it means to be in a relationship. Even if they have no idea what the details are, that they would take that first step. And Lord, in my own heart, I ask that you would forgive me again and again 
forgive not only the, the things that I've, I do externally, but Lord, my attitudes need so much changing still. And you see, God, you see in all of us the darkness and the depths. And you still chose us. And then by your grace, you give us your spirit to bring light and to purge us of those things. So I pray for, all, for those who have been following Jesus, for those who, have, who are disciples of Jesus, that you would continue to grow us, to sharpen us, that you would send us home to situations where we have opportunities to grow, opportunities to lean on you, opportunities to look to you. And God, those are usually not the nice ones. Those are usually the tough ones. But I pray that it would be so. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.